you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. Hi and hello and happy holidays, football fans. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. I hope things are festive wherever you are. They certainly are here in Studio 66. We're trying our best to overcome what happened in Heinz Field on uh, mm. on Sunday. It you know, listen, it's it's put a little bit of a dent into my holiday cheer, but I'm going to get there by the time football arrives for our eyeballs uh, this weekend. Here to help me do so, seated to my immediate left, he's one half of the fantasy hipsters. You hear him, you read his pages on NFL.com, breaking down this, that, and the other about the world of fantasy. But, of course, he is not limited to just the fantasy talk. He also uh, does uh, reception perception, so on and so forth. And uh, he's got the uh, – he's, 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 I guess he's the – is it fair to say he's the darling of uh, the NFL hallways these days? Because uh, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know either, but you seem to get on with everybody. I guess that's well, what that means. I'm an agreeable human being, but I don't mean to correct you right off the top, Sheck, but you are. You said happy holidays. You are aware that we're saying it again. We're saying Merry Christmas again. Bigger and more beautiful than ever. I, I look. I, I've never once heard anybody tell me I'm not allowed to say Merry Christmas. Now, though, <laughs> I feel obliged to say Happy Holidays oh, because well, that now is, that's obnoxious. But I look. I've never been big on the on the whole Christmas thing. Uh, but this year, I got in on. I'm in on Christmas. A hundred percent happens to be a coincidence that you know other things are going on. In now it's of, back. Now it's back. You're back in. So I'm in. Uh, but it's but it's still fascinating because I've always found the whole war on Christmas thing very funny because like if there's a war on Christmas like Christmas is winning. Have you been in a Target in the last ten years? Like it's <laughs> definitely it's winning. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. On All right, fine. Are so, so. right, your Merry Christmas your holiday, uh, political holiday statement? Uh, it's not aside. a political statement. Let's hear him real quick because we have a special guest waiting for us uh, on Skype. But very quickly, when we say hello to Matt Harmon, we do it in song. Hit the intro. A hipster with a dog. Backyard banter is his blog. A fan of nature and stuff. Can't miss his facial scruff. CBS sitcom nerd. This writer has a way with words. He's Harmon, comma, Matt. Hey, fella, what's on tap? Lovely, lovely work by Emma VP and uh, and our pal Sydney there. And you are a hipster, but it, the incongruity of being a hipster and liking CBS sitcoms like How I Met Your Mother is a little uh, little uh, odd. I think actually being a walking contradiction kind of feeds into the whole hipster. Ah, thing, if you th- if you really think about well it. Well done. All right, now let's say hello to uh, to a guy who we talked to. About 16, 17 months ago, we forecasted the NFC South, 
And I said, and he agreed, that Matt Ryan, by the end of the 2016 season, would be regarded as the fourth best, that Matt Ryan would be the fourth best quarterback in that division. He went on to win the MVP, so we put our heads together once again um, before this season. And uh, I said Drew Brees would be the worst. Now, number nine is on his way to a division title, perhaps. Mm. And, uh, and this guy stuck with Matt Ryan. Let's figure it all out right now, shall we? With CBS Sports, great. One of the great follows in not just uh, sports Twitter, but, uh, but in, uh, in Twitter in general. Here he is. And uh, also make sure you listen to his very fine podcast with, uh, with all the good guys over there at CBS Sports. Pick six. It's Will Brinson. What's the poop, fella? Everybody's uh, doing well. Merry Christmas to you all. Ah. See, Will understands. We're saying it again. And, and I hope that you're. I hope that you're soaking in the uh, young Sheldon uh, oh. new episodes <laughs> on, on on the glorious broadcast network that is CBS. What a banner year this has been for you. Yeah, that's right, uh, Harmon. You got I, a new one. I don't like Big Bang Theory. Sorry, sorry, Will. I don't mean to. I don't mean to take it to your network or or whatever. But I'm not a big big not a Big Bang Theory. Have not watched a second of uh, Young Sheldon, but you would uh, yeah. get on famously with Sheldon and company. And I don't know what that means. You would, and by the way, that's the that feels like a I've flight. never seen. I've, I guess I've seen uh, an episode or so on on a flight, but um, it 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 feels to me like that's what they lack is the fantasy nerd, right? The fantasy football nerd, right? I don't think that uh, it's quite the same. I I think that they those guys probably wouldn't want to hang out with somebody like me. Well, as I talk about all the time, too, uh, uh, actually, Carol and I, when I go on uh, his show, uh, we, we talk all the time. I love the 80s perception of what a nerd was, that, but based on Revenge of the Nerds, at least. Revenge of the Nerds, basically, if you weren't on a team or you weren't like a, a jock guy, then that defined you as being a nerd. They have the... I mean, like Booger in that movie is—he's a punk guy. Like, why would he be? Why does he fit in with the nerds? And then there's the gay guy. Like, well, that doesn't make you a nerd. That makes you—why <laughs> just throw them all in a bucket? I guess is uh, is the point of that movie, right, Brinson? Well, yeah, and I think too now in in like 2017, there's this subset of nerdery that has become cool. And and like like Harmon, for instance. Every you and um, like Josh Norris at Roto World tweet out next gen stat graphs yeah. and the, the the common man, the layman the, who's just just, you know, trying to watch Pittsburgh win a game against the arch rival New England is just soaking in this information. I think nerdery has become cool in, in 2017 and may even reach a new apex in 2018. Whereas you're right, check back in the 80s. It was either you played football or you were a nerd. Yeah, Brinson's right on this. And I so I got glasses <laughs> at 19 years old and like for after a while, like eventually moved on from just like the basic pair of every man glasses to like what I'm rocking these days. And I remember when I got these a couple of years ago, uh, the late, I was like, do you think these are like too, you know, they're too big or whatever. And she's like, no, 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 they're chic geek. I'm like, what the hell is chic? Geek? <laughs> uh, but it's apparently like it's nerd made, you know, popular and cool or whatever. So I guess I'm riding that way. Your legacy. You, yeah. you, you've helped mainstream nerdity, right? I or guess what was it? Nerdery. Is that what I you called it? Nerd dumb. Nerd dumb. Nerd dumb. All right. Listen, let's talk about football. Brinson has hovering over his uh, right shoulder there an NC state helmet. And that reminds me before we jump into pro football, although actually this is a pro football ish conversation. We love to talk about the triplets. I dare say the aforementioned Steelers who came up short in Heinz Field still have 
if Antonio Brown is right. And that's a major if, by the way. That's something I uh, I don't know that we'll get to in this show. But this assumption that Antonio Brown, oh, listen, the Steelers and Patriots will meet again in the title game. Will they for sure? Because we don't even know this idea. He has a, a torn calf. That doesn't sound like something like, yeah, I'll see you on the other side of New Year's. huh? I'll right. just uh, take it easy for a couple of weeks and I'll be right back here. So we'll see with all with all that stuff. However, Antonio Brown, Levy and Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, the best set of skill position triplets that the NFL has seen since the early 90s Cowboys and perhaps at some point will be considered uh, even superior. Then we started talking about what college has yielded the best set of skill position triplets based on their NFL deeds. Brinson, can you advocate for your Wolf Pack here? Yeah, I would. I don't think that NC State would be the top choice here, but I think that there is a good case to be made that they have a, a nice trio. You know, given the you know the relative history of NC State at at the at the pro level. I mean, you know, you're not talking a ton of Hall of Famers here. Uh, Philip Rivers at quarterback would be your top choice. You could also. I don't think you guys are going to let me, and I'm not going to try and argue that Russell Wilson would be an NC State guy, but he did graduate nope. from there. Mm-hmm. Um, Torrey Holt should be in the Hall of Fame. Somehow isn't ball. in the Hall of Fame. He would be your wide receiver, and then Ted Brown would be your running back if you went that with that trio. I, I have a a theory on this triplets idea is that the reason you like the triplets so much, Shaq, is that. Um, at some point, it makes your, your rooting interest look good. I think you are on to something, Will Brinson. I don't care. No jive. I, I tell the truth at all times, and True. you're exactly right. That's why I do love it. Although, to be fair, actually, I'm more bemused by it. Yes, it, it initially, it's a point of pride. I'm not even a Pitt grad. I just went to all the Pitt games when I was growing up in Pittsburgh. But, yes, initially I think, oh, that's great, Dan Marino, Tony Dorsett, Larry Fitzgerald. But the larger point is, why is this team always 7 and seven and 6 always, yeah. if, if this is the case? They, just in the 21st century, Darrell Revis, Larry Fitzgerald, um, uh, Aaron Donald, uh, Shady McCoy, this is a team that struggles to, to break 500? What gives? Same hey, thing hey, with your hey. guys. We get we had four starting NFL quarterbacks in 2017 in a single week. NC State did, and I, and I don't think that we've won more than nine games since. It, it we really is weird. But yeah, so we so, so we ran through to catch uh, everybody up who missed the last show, and I assume that's like a handful, if that. Um, but Notre Dame goes uh, Joe Montana. Probably the bus, or you could go Paul Hornig if you want to go back uh, in history, and probably uh, the golden child, the, the golden boy, uh, Hornig deserves the nod over Bettis. But either way, and then you go Tim Brown there. One we forgot was that was a, a, an egregious one. I think Alabama, Joe Namath or Bart Starr. Again, we're basing this on pro deeds. Mark Ingram is an underwhelming running back from Alabama. That's the greatest NFL running back they've ever had is Mark Ingram. Well, no, I know he's having a great. Uh, he's having a great year. Uh, and then Julio Jones, so that's a yeah. pretty strong trio, but yeah. still doesn't match what uh, what Pitt had. Did um did you guys include Syracuse? We, you know what, we talked some Syracuse, and in fact, they have great depth at the running back spot, don't they? They're, but let's say it's Jim Brown, and then right. you go Donovan McNabb and Marvin Harrison. Then I guess that would be yeah. correct. Um, yeah. the uh and, and like. Uh, Pardon me for not having caught up because I'm I'm way behind on my Christmas shopping, way behind on exercising, way behind on podcasting. Uh, <laughs> it's the season. Those, those things all kind of go hand in hand. Um, That's a good I th- point. I thought I thought the interesting one because I bandied this about with some friends today, uh, leading up to the show. But what you know, what's interesting is if the University of Georgia 
actually has an impressive triplet group that is retired and an impressive active triplet written group. Written on the Grant page. Tarkenton. What's really? that? Really? Wow. I wrote, I wrote down Georgia. Go ahead, Brinson. Fran Tarkenton, yep. Herschel Walker, Heinz Ward as your retired trio. Excellent. And then Matthew Stafford, Todd Gurley, A.J. Green as your active trio. Brinson and I are on the same page. That's Wait a exactly second. what I thought about. I want to throw one more in because uh, uh, among active uh, trios that you can go with, Cal's is uh, mighty. Yeah. Keenan yeah. Allen, um, uh, Marshawn Lynch, and, uh, of course, they have a stable of running backs, but Marshawn's the best of them, and then Aaron Rodgers. That's up there. I'm gonna, we're going to have to do formal rankings of these once, when, when it's all said and done. Oh, yeah. But the other one is that I forgot was Stanford. We did mention Elway barely I – mean, not barely, but over Luck – and then you have James Lofton, and somehow I forgot Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. You put McCaffrey in there now. Now, now the, that's something that probably wins the Pac-12 at least. It's hard to imagine UCLA and USC combine. I guess if you combine the two and you give them Aikman, then they're more in the conversation. But it's weird that neither of the LA uh, big-time schools can produce uh, a, a worthy um, nominee here. Yeah. Uh, can I make the argument for just one more school that I I'd think like, would be? I'd like you to. Uh, Gus Malzahn's offense. You got Frank Sanders at wide receiver. That's Unless the issue. Frank- That's exactly right. But Cam Newton and Bo Jackson running the Gus Malzahn offense. I'd like to see that at Auburn. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you don't even need a wide receiver. Who cares? This is making my head spin with uh, with Ricardo ideas, Lewis. and I'm I, I'm almost going down the multiple rabbit holes with uh, with the two of you guys. But yeah, instead, let's talk about. Uh, I want to do NFC South stuff. What next? You know, very quickly, because I don't think this conversation goes on for too long. The X factor to me now in the AFC playoffs, as I sort of assess where we are and the thing that I have lamented since games end in uh, in Pittsburgh, is the fact that the the path for the Patriots has obviously gotten a lot easier. Had they lost that game and uh, the teams win out that were ahead of them, the Jags and Steelers, the Patriots would have been a three seed, meaning that they then play in the wild card round, meaning that they host the Ravens or Chargers. Neither one will be an easy out for them. Then they would have to go to Jacksonville and at best get beaten up by that physical defense and then go to Pittsburgh, presumably, to just get to a Super Bowl. Now their path is easier unless somehow – the Chiefs have to go through there. I'm not big on the history, the the historical research. Since 1987, the team that wins two games, blah, blah, that has yeah. no relevance in 2017, except in recent history. The four times just this decade, teams that have beaten the Patriots in the regular season have gone on to beat them in the postseason. We remember how this season started. Can the Kansas City Chiefs, be relevant in this postseason. Yeah, they got that big win in Arrowhead against uh, the hard-charging Chargers, but I feel like they have been, in fact, bad for now six, eight weeks, and that one very nice victory doesn't discount that. Brinson, I start with you. Yes, but only if Kareem Hunt is playing the way that he's playing and only if the Patriots' defense is playing the way that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, I mean, you, you know, the argument is if you give Bill Belichick a bye and you give him two weeks to prepare for the Chiefs to come into town, he's going to take care of business. Well, he had two weeks to – he had an entire offseason to prepare for the Chiefs and they weren't ready for what Andy Reid and company dropped. That's a tough chess match, though, because Reid's offensive scheming – you know, caught everybody by surprise a little bit. Alex Smith throwing deeper than people expected in the first week of the first week of the season. And I, I you see them playing now. They looked a lot better. I, I also feel like 
a lot of what's gone on the last two weeks with the Chiefs has been more about the Raiders being a bad football team and the Chargers deciding to Chargers it up on national television on a Saturday night. I agree with you about that uh, latter point. I don't think it was as much a feather in the cap of the Chiefs as it was uh, a little bit of an implosion there in the second half. But the Chargers do have a really good – and I know it's the Chargers. And I, I've, as everybody was talking about, you know, them being like the X factor in the AFC playoff race, I mean, all the guys downstairs, I was telling them, it's still the Chargers. And it, it, it is still, in fact, the Chargers. But they do have a great defense. I mean, they have two great pass rushers. They have a great secondary with Casey Hayward. And even Trevor Williams has been a good player this yep. year. And I thought that was the big test for them was getting over on that defense because, you know, the Raiders don't – they have a terrible secondary. The Jets aren't impressive. But since, uh, since Matt Nagy took over as the play caller, Alex Smith has been throwing deep more often. Like Will mentioned, 10% of his passes in weeks 1 through 12, weeks 13 through 15, 16.5% of his passes have gone 20-plus yards in the air. So as long as they stay aggressive, I do think the Chiefs could be that team. But we've I feel like we've seen this story before, you know, with Kansas City. Like, we get excited about them because they do have a lot of exciting players. But at the same time, they're still the Alex Smith-led Chiefs, and they ultimately disappoint in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I just don't know how much I want to. I mean, I'm, not, I'm certainly not depending on the Chiefs to, to show up in January and, sun, and, and somehow buck uh, the way they've looked. But, you know, as they say, every season is a different one. And uh, Tyreek Hill has emerged as a, as a bigger factor even than he was last year and Kareem Hunt and all that. And I do think for all the talk about Belichick's a master and chess match and all that kind of stuff, the, the thing that has – I don't know. Willie McGinnis said uh, uh, on the earlier podcast this week that uh, that what we learned from that Patriots Steelers game is that there's no actual br- blueprint to defeating the Patriots and attacking them. But I, you know, what is the answer to to physically out uh, to overwhelming them? I don't see necessarily that you can't run on the Patriots. They're, they're not. No. There's no Belichick. Uh, um, wizardry that's going to offset the fact that you just can physically grind them on the ground. It seems like that's the case. Their defense just doesn't have very many good players. I mean, it's as simple as that, especially in the front seven. Like you mentioned, you can run on them. They don't get much of a pass rush. So if the Chiefs' best players on offense show up, that being Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and you know if Alex Smith plays, more like we've seen him at different parts of the season, then yeah, they have a chance. It's just uh, – they, they need those two explosive players in Hunt and Hill to kind of take over the game like they like they did in the first week of the season. I mean, that's the blueprint. I don't think there's any sort of more approach than just your your best players have to show up and, and overwork this defense that is undermanned. Well, I think if you track the Chiefs offense and you were to put it into a, a line graph or a bar graph of some sort, it would trend exactly the way that Kareem Hunt's yards trend. And, yeah. and maybe it's a good thing that they took that, that Andy Reid, I mean, it, you know, it looked dumb at the time when they were losing games and they were looked like the Chargers were going to walk them down or the Raiders would walk them down. But maybe ultimately it's a good thing if that the Chiefs spent this middle chunk of the season ruining everyone's fantasy year, saving Kareem Hunt, not running him into the ground, and now he'll be fresh for the playoffs because th- this offense just seems to take off when he's running the ball well and picking up chunk yardage. I mean, it's not a surprise. Um, I think the bigger problem for the Chiefs is how, like, how do you stop? Like, you have to play a perfect ball game and stop Rob Gronkowski on defense, and they don't have Eric Berry anymore. Exactly and I think right. Defensively. Yeah, as bad as I said the Patriots' defense is, the Chiefs' defense is just terrible. It really is. Especially it, in the second. It year. really is. And But by the way, uh, Brinson is exactly right. Maurice Jones-Drew and other NFL running backs will tell you that the rookie wall is 100% real. Mm. That, uh, that, that you, you do – 
um, later in December. Maybe Kareem Hunt uh, has avoided that uh, because of Andy Reid's decision-making. All right, let's talk NFC South, and I'll start it with – this isn't really a bold statement because they may have as many as three teams in the postseason, but I say – that the Patriots, who now seem um, in line to get to the Super Bowl, will face up in the Twin Cities an NFC South team. How say you, Brinson? I concur with you, and I like the I love the Vikings defense. I love the gumption of Case Keenum, who's a quasi game manager, quasi gunslinger type of quarterback. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are fantastic, and the Vikings hosting the Super Bowl would be a tremendous story. Mm. I, I don't. I look. The Eagles could be great too, but they have Nick Foles. You know, they, they had this defense that's looked a little porous the last two weeks. The formula is there to rush the passer and run downhill. But again, Nick Foles. And then we're going to continue the theme. Jared Goff, who I think is a great second-year quarterback and blossoming under uh, Sean McVay. Todd Gurley is a superstar running back and number two on my MVP, MVP ballot right now. But the difference between those three teams and the three teams that, that should comprise um, the other three seeds in the NFC, potentially four, five, and six, depending on how things pan out. and uh, the rest of the field from the NFC South, and they have the quarterbacks. And we I know we joke about our, our terrible rankings of the NFC South quarterbacks check, but the reality is it's hard to rank them because they're all good. And you have two of the last MVPs, and that doesn't include Drew Brees. Mm. That's a friggin' good trio of quarterbacks. And what do we trust in the playoffs more than defense and more than running games? It's quarterbacks to get hot. And all three of those teams have explosive, dangerous defenses, too. I mean, I, call me a pedigree snob or whatever else. But, yes, the, the Vikings fans keep calling me a hater because I keep saying, listen – it's a great story. I hope you do go. I hope you host the NFC title game. I hope your fans are there to watch it. They ho I hope they get to say, we'll be back in two weeks, and we're going to be right back in the stadium. That'll be a magnificent atmosphere. Yes, I happen to believe what uh, Brinson believes. The, yes, for every Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco that sneak through and do get the Lombardi Trophy, those guys are outliers. They are the exceptions that prove the ongoing rule. Look at who's won the Super Bowls over the last 20 years. It's Brady, it's Peyton, it's Roethlisberger, it's Rodgers, and it's Russell Wilson. That's not, a, that's not a fluke that the good quarterbacks are the ones that win the most of the Super Bowls. How say you, Harmon? Are you with us on this? I could. I mean, I don't disagree. The one team I don't think has a shot, though, out of that NFC South is the Falcons. I don't buy. I don't buy the Falcons. I don't think their defense has improved. I it, know it, that, which is a disappointment because they have a lot of like young players that you'd think would be ready to take that next step. Also, Matt Ryan, like he's just been whatever this season. You know, he's had a, especially like if you have him in fantasy. You know, he's just giving you kind of like. QB 10, QB 11, like never really taking that, taking you in that next step, which isn't always indicative of real life play. But I think in this case it is. I mean, these last couple of weeks, especially he hasn't played well. I don't think, I think what we saw last season for him was clearly an outlier of his career. And this year he's been just a fine starting quarterback. And so I don't think they really have like, I don't look at their team and, and think that they have an edge on either offense or defense. So to me, I don't, you know, you could save this clip, but I don't really think they're a true Super Bowl contender. Uh, with Atlanta being out of the picture, I definitely believe in the Saints, like you mentioned. They have Breeze. They have the running game. The Panthers, though, are such an interesting team. Yes, they are. No, but, and why is it no one talks about wanna, the Panthers? You want to know why I think it is? And I don't think this is being talked about enough. 
The last five months for the Carolina Panthers from an off-field perspective have been outrageously strange. I mean, think, think about what has gone on. Like, the owner who is now selling the team and has given up day-to-day, day-to-day control start, five months ago fired the general manager coming into this year, which was a complete and utter shock, and that's, like, been completely forgotten about at this point. Not to mention there was plenty of stuff going on in the middle of the season with their quarterback and everything like that. This has been just a wild... And also, by the way, is a, a, a not a small detail was that this team sort of took off. They they uh, dispatch Calvin Benjamin up to Buffalo oh, yeah. on the premise that Curtis Samuel, I assume, was going to take over a fair amount of those uh, those uh, snaps, and then he promptly goes down and is lost for the year. It's a man once again, Superman. I know his numbers aren't lofty oh, like yeah. they were in the MVP year or anything, but still, where is the respect for this distinct? All-time great talent that we get to watch every week. And this has all been wrapped up in a year where they wanted to evolve on offense. They wanted to completely change the way they did things from an offensive attack approach under the same coaching staff. Right. By the way, I had somebody tweet to me the other day, like, who would have thought, like, two years ago that Mike Shula would outlast both Dave Gettleman and Jerry Richardson as a Carolina Panther? That's pretty wild if you think about it. But, like, that's a big thing to ask in and, all, uh, in and of itself It's is to completely change the way you approach the offense, you know, with a quarterback that's a veteran and, a, and it's still the same coaching staff. This has been a wild five months for Carolina for so many different reasons. And I think that I do, I do think that kind of makes them an interesting team because clearly they have, you know, immeasurable or whatever but they clearly have some sort of resiliency that they've still been a well really a big thing too is Luke Keekley wasn't uh 2016 wasn't Keekley's year he's back and that's a major uh, presence back there and too. Peppers has been a it's big crazy addition it really is crazy all right one more thing before we jump into the proper quarterback rankings of the NFC South here the one thing that you mentioned the Eagles there Brinson and I want to go back to them the thing that's intriguing about them, along with the pass rush, which uh, which somehow vanished against the Giants, you would think that's the matchup that will uh, – whatever else you want to talk about, Eli and the narrative, oh, he's back and everybody's happy. Well, they're, you know, the Eagles' pass rush is just going to destroy him all day long. And, and, of course, we didn't see that. But that notwithstanding, what's interesting about the NFC South playoffs as they're shaping up right now you have warm weather Rams uh, looking more and more like they may be one of the top two seeds. Yeah. And you have whoever emerges here, whether it's the Saints or the Falcons. And I, I, I don't discount uh, that the Falcons can can go down to New Orleans and win this weekend as bad as they've been, or as mediocre. I think that's the word. Medio- they, medio- mediocrity yeah. is what defines the uh, 2017 Falcons. But that's not to say they can't catch fire right now. But what if you have to – the X factor for the NFC playoffs, maybe I'm overstating this, is is what if it's freezing in Philly? Is Drew Brees going to go up there and win the game? Is Matt Ryan? Is Jared Goff? I know that none of the guys – you know, the, the thing that players always push back on me when I bring this subject up is, hey, Sheck, you know, uh, none of us are from, uh, are from Canada. We're all from Florida and Cali. None of us <laughs> like the weather. But you get used to it. That's uh, you just get used to it. That's uh, that, that, that's my explanation back to those guys, whether they recognize it or not. And I think I know better than they do about that. Brinson, is that a factor, or am I, or, or is that uh, rubbish? No, I think it's a little overrated, Check, because of the field that we're involved in. Let's look at the the worst team, and I agree with Matt that, that the Falcons are probably the worst team in the NFC. If you know, assuming that they get in, could be the Cowboys, could be the Seahawks. We'll see how right. that plays. Or the Lions, even. But I think when you look at the teams as they're constructed right now, 
the backbone of all of these teams this year has been the running game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like, right. You're right about like, that. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like, if this was the 2012 Saints or 2013 Saints and they had to go to Philly against that pass rush and having to throw the ball you know, 50 times to win the game, I think they'd be in trouble in a, in a blizzard. But they can go up there with Ingram and Kamara and push some guys around. Now, it's not a great matchup. I think the same thing, you know, you, you saw Minnesota's offensive line against the Panthers two weeks ago. That should be a concern for them if they're not healthy because Carolina wrecked shop on yeah. Case Keenum for most of the day. Um Philly, I think, too, maybe some of the protection stuff is going to show up a little bit offensively once you know Nick Foles has to go up against an elite defense. But I think Todd Gurley, Jay Ajayi slash Garrett Blunt, Jonathan Stewart slash Cam Newton slash Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. Ingram, Kamara, Devonta Freeman, and did I name six teams or did I miss somebody? You get the point. These guys, these, You're these, right. These, Latavius Murray, these teams can run, and I think that's going to be a huge factor. Um especially, you know, if there is a weather situation that comes into play. In the Rams, give me the Rams, I think, in the NFC. I, I've, I've, everybody knows universally I'm a lifelong Rams fan. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hashtag my Rams. But still, I really believe in this team because I think they can beat you up on both sides of the ball. Like Brinson was saying, you know, Todd Gurley, they've got a great run blocking line. And then their defensive pass rush is unbelievable. Robert Quinn is starting to cook now, too. I mean, Aaron Donald's been good all year. Give me the – I think they're going to be the team that comes. I always say give me I, – I think much too much is made out of uh, veteran savvy it, for the most part. Give me youth and speed and uh, athleticism over the, the uh, ballyhooed uh, savvy that you accrue from eight, ten years in the league, except at quarterback. I do have to just show it to me once, Jared Goff. Then I'll believe it. Go win a playoff. Win win a playoff game, then I'll be more with you on that until we see that happen. I don't know. The, the, the stage is too big for some guys. It just uh, That might sound like simplistic nonsense, but that is the fact. We've seen guys well, fail in the big game. Well, and one thing I think about Goff that's really interesting, and this is not to knock Sean McVay because what he's done has been tremendous. You know, you look at the stats, and they're clearly the most improved team in the NFL. But I think if you if you dig down a little bit, what you notice is that this is the case with Kirk Cousins in Washington, under McVay, and with Goff, is that they really excel in this system. They're almost more of a point guard than a, yeah. than a quarterback, if that makes sense. And when the, when the weather gets bad and when the field gets compressed in the red zone, how do they execute? And I, I don't know that I necessarily trust Jared Goff in bad weather in Philadelphia in the red zone to try and convert against that defensive line. I, my pick out of the NFC right now would be the pan, the, the disrespected Carolina Panthers who are starting to get healthy, have the highest upside on offense. Or at least unheralded. It really is weird that nobody talks about them. But I do still say, and this is self-validation just from the preseason, that I I, I had an epiphany on the eve of, uh, of the season kickoff that, wait a second, the Falcons are the best team in the NFC, and this is the team that's going to go deep into this playoffs once again. And I, I, it was all hinging on the aforementioned speed and uh, young athleticism of the defense. I thought that Ryan would slide back, but I thought the defense was going to be mighty. What, what gives? I don't understand, given the pieces, why they're why, why they aren't uh, among. I mean, in a season. I think kind of defined by dominant defenses, the the high-end teams, the Falcons. Uh, I don't know why, where they are in that mix. All right, let's rank them out then. So Brinson, when season started, said Matt Ryan will remain the fourth best in his rankings, will be the fourth-ranked quarterback in that division. I said it would be number nine, Drew Brees. Harmon, why don't you weigh in objectively? Who's the worst quarterback in that division? To me, it's still Winston, and uh, it's pretty clear. I mean, he's been 
mostly bad all year. He has had some injuries. That's fair, no doubt. But like, so what? so wait. When I do this, that stands for worst. That stands for worst. <laughs> I'm gonna eat it. I wish. I mean, we should have known from that moment on. Like that was that was the sign. Like if you really, a couple people on Twitter did this, but if you like freeze frame and like look at the guys around him, just like the look on their face, like you've got to be kidding me. Which like I think that stuff works. Sean Jackson has a. Are you bleeping yeah. kidding yeah. me? I what, can't. Is this a prank? What's going on? Yeah. Am I being a spoof? What's He's happening? like, I came down here for this. That that yeah. sort of that sort. Maybe of. he watched. I see. I try to let uh, Jameis off the hook and assume maybe he watched Total Recall the night before. Because is it a coincidence that uh, Jameis's W hand would fit very neatly into that thing up on Mars that launches the destruction code? You know, that's some high level stuff. You don't even know Total no. Recall, do you? No. You don't even know. Do you even know the reference? Do you know the movie? Have you heard of the movie? I've heard of it, yes, but I've never seen it. What's your favorite Schwarzenegger movie? Probably Second Terminator. You've seen all right. So oh, you've I've at seen, least seen yeah. a Schwarzenegger. Movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in on the Terminator thing. That's actually one of the like few movies I legitimately own on DVD. I like I like Terminator one and two because it is airtight in its logic. If you, as I always say. Don't go to face-off knowing what the premise of the movie is and then come out and complain like, well, you couldn't take your face off and put it on somebody else's. Well, you knew that going in. You can't complain about that. Uh, that, that is the fundamental uh, uh, plot point. You can't then bellyache about that. Now, yeah, that, I, I, I'm with you on the, but the Terminator thing, you can't find a gap in the logic that's oh. laid out there. If you did, if you could go into the future and go into the past. It's all perfect. They're, 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 you can't poke holes in it. Brinson, how say you on all this? I don't even know what a question is. I just don't want to. <laughs> say like, something about something that was just said. <laughs> Talk about stuff. I, my favorite Schwarzenegger movie is obviously Kindergarten Cop. Ah. Uh, robbed badly. Even a kid. No, I, I, I think T2 is probably the answer for Schwarzenegger movies, you know, if, if is Schwarzenegger overrated, maybe that might be possible. It is. It is crazy. That's a fun game to play is to look back through the last 30, 40 years and see who was the biggest movie star at any given time. It's yeah. amazing how often Schwarzenegger's character is some American agent. And yet no one ever asks the question like, <laughs> isn't that weird that he, that he, <laughs> that, where did he get that accent? From? That he has that. I, no one, no one has any issue with that. That's a kind of a strange thing. Have I, you, have you seen, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that actually, if I was going to pick the most watchable Schwarzenegger movie, I think I'd go with true lies. I think that that is a, a rewatchable, you know, if like, if you're going to sit down, if it's on like, if you're flipping through the channels, it's on TBS. I feel like true lies Never is watchable. Give me predator, you know, mm. Can't beat that. I'd also can't watch, the kids, though. can't watch with the kids. Really, that's that's fair. You know what's interesting about, about uh, Predator? At least to me, we like the actor redundancies when you see the same actor doing things that are weirdly redundant with something they've done in another movie as another character. Every Will Ferrell movie ever. Billy, the 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 guy who stands on the log, the second the last, or he's the last guy who Predator kills before Schwarzenegger takes him down. He stands on the log and he takes that big uh, uh, Rambo knife out and he stands there, ho, 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 you know, and Predator makes fun of him. All. That guy takes out a knife at Eddie Murphy in 48 hours just before <laughs> he gets killed. Both times he gets killed, he has a giant Rambo knife. Doesn't say good things about you. That's a weird. Not you, you. Oh. Him, you. The 
Relax. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not coming at you on your own show. Come on. I like that. I think that's an interesting observation. Did you guys see Star Wars yet? Yes. Brinson, you don't care about it, do you? <laughs> I like Star Wars. It's fine. I've got a lot of takes on the on the <laughs> Star Wars thing. I don't want to bore Brinson or anyone else. That's fine. Are you upset? No, no. I really like Star Wars. I think it's I think it's wildly entertaining. I think that I'll like it more once my, in about a year and a half when my son gets into it. He's he's turning four, so he's getting to be about that age where he'll like it. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, you know, but, you know, I've been trying to watch it. Like like Rogue One was really good, but I just don't. Rogue One have, was awesome. Yeah, I don't have the I don't have the the wherewithal to fight through lines and crowds and, and go to the movie theater. Rogue One is the third best of all the uh, of all the Star Wars movies. I. It's ahead of Return of the Jedi. I like Return Empire, of the Jedi. Empire, Star Wars, the original. I don't call it New Hope because that seems pretentious. No. <laughs> and then Rogue One. Uh, I think that's not a bad take. Look, but my, my take on Star Wars, and I, I don't want to get into any spoilers or anything for people that haven't seen it, though you're starting to get past the threshold of I when we I agree care. with that yeah, as a absolutely. society. Eddie you know, Spaghetti. So- Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass there started giving me the business. I was talking about it on Monday in the office, and he, and he tisk, tisk, excuse me, I haven't even seen it yet. Hey, yo, hey, I, I'm not going to see it till I get to the Big Apple. Where they got the best movie theaters? You're to see the best movie franchise you see it in the best city in the world someone needs to take their sensitivity training again you can't <laughs> you can't make fun of accents anymore oh i did i was told i'm not allowed to talk accent which is like i thought as soon as they said that in that training i, I thought of you immediately because i'm like you make fun of his accent you make fun of handsome's at hank's accent i actually thought about texting emma like hey so, is Sheck, they're going to cancel that show? I mean, it's like 25% accents. Spaghetti, shame on you. That's all I wanted to say to you. For you talking about Star Wars on a Monday? Yeah. When it came out, what, Friday? If it was important, well, it would have gone if, out to see What happens if you weekend travel plans and you can't watch it? Like, you get three, it's a three-day grace period? That's terrible. Hey, think, yo, the know. Knickerbockers had a big one on Saturday night. What do you think? I'm at the movie theater. The I movie kinda, can wait. I'm kind of with Shaq on this one. It is tough because it's in football season, but, like, I think you got a three-day grace period. If it really is that important to you, I think you got to see it. We had somebody chirping at us. I uh, had to get on the phone with Jeets to thank him for giving us Giancarlo. I was in Las Vegas, so I had 0% chance to well, see the movie. I then have, you have I a good excuse. I had excuse. plans booked already. I had nothing I could do about it. And I'm going home for the holidays. My pops, my brother want to see it. It was booked. Done deal. Thursday, I'm seeing it. And Sheck was yelling out loud in the newsroom. Well, it, well there's it, a lot of not surprises in that sentence. Is the spoiler is the, are the spoilers that come into play on this on this Star Wars situation are they as bad as like a because like to me you need to wait until about two p.m. on Monday to to really have Game of Thrones talk on Twitter like uh, like at least give somebody who didn't watch it on Sunday night yeah you know, that's fair right but but like but like are the spoilers that big are they I, like yeah, I just of- think it was I, I don't think what who cares at this point for Chewbacca to get spayed I mean what was even the point of that I mean it's like it's well, he's been around so long at this point. He's already yeah. had his kids. Twitter is also different about – I mean, that's different than real life. Like, because in real life, you know, Eddie can tell Sheck to shut up or whatever, but on Twitter it's just scrolling through your feed and bam. Bottom line is this about Star Wars – about the new one. 
I didn't love it, but I'm with Brinson now. I now see it more through my kids' eyes, and they loved it. And uh, that is- Oprah and Jean-Claude Van Damascheck were over the Endor moon watching it. So who am I to say, well, really, Princess Leia, just because she has the Force, couldn't block like, all that. I'm my, not going to get in on it. My thought with, with when we left the Look theater. at Spaghetti back there with his, ha- with his fingers in his ears. What a weirdo. <laughs> Why don't you hang out? Why don't you join the uh, nerd frat with uh, Harmon? The nerd frat. That's offensive. I'm less than a nerd because I haven't seen it the uh, the midnight release. That's right. No, this was a shot at me. This was a shot at me. You're recording on a Wednesday, right? Yeah. Star Wars came out on a Friday. Uh, yeah, you're, you're hey, past the great. Period. I went to see you, it on Thursday night. Feeling about Star Wars. If if I came on this show and I hadn't seen it, and you guys re- like spoiled something, you know that's on that's, me for having not seen it. It came uh, out Friday. I agree with Will. Uh, my my only official statement on the Star Wars thing is when we left the movie. You know, in the nerd frat, we're discussing it. I guess if that's what you'd like to call us, try lamps. Uh, Gelhar was pretty heated about it. He was like, "It was so bad. I hated." It. I was like, "Look, it was enjo- <laughs> it was en- it was enjoyable." Nerd on nerd attacks. The fantasy notice, hipsters. Notice I didn't notice I didn't do his accent because I'm no I'm, no no. I'm what complying. you did was much more flattering. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was very it was very work appropriate. Uh, but anyways, he was pissed about it, and my whole point was like, "What do you expect? Like, you need to adjust your expectations." They haven't. Here's the hot take: They haven't made a good movie since the '80s. My parents, who are now divorced, hadn't even met yet. By the time they, uh, by the time they last made a good movie, none of the prequels were very good. Force Awakens wasn't great. That's why Rogue One is, in fact, the best one they've. I don't made understand why, why, why that it, the people who are in charge of deciding, uh, scene for scene, why, why can't they just stick with the consistency of what the powers of care? I that is the thing that drives me great. And any superhero or sci-fi thing, like wait. He's strong enough to do that, but he but he isn't strong enough to do that. That's what makes me crazy. This point. is the exact same issue we have with the catch rule. It's like just slowing things down too much, and like just watch the friggin' movie and enjoy the Star Wars yeah. and the laser guns and the and the swords right. and the yeah. job of the huts and the and the and the barfs and whatever else is happening. Princeton, what's what's your take on barf? <laughs> nice spaceballs ref. Uh, uh, what's your what's your take on Jurassic World? Like the new ones of those. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, you know what? I kind of like um, uh, what's his name, Andy from Parks and oh, Rec. Sort yeah. of more uh, Chris Pratt. I like I like oh, I like Pratt 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 more as a a lovable chunky uh, sidekick than I do as the uh, ripped um, superhero I, type. No, go, no, don't get me wrong. I, like I actually like the I really like a, like the Marvel Universe movies, and I thought the Guardians of the Galaxy was fantastic, but yeah. the second one was absolute trash. Um, they were too self aware. Uh, I would say that I would say that the, oh, the if I was going to watch a Jurassic World or Jurassic Park, I, I'm going back to the OG Crichton um, film, and I just give me the, I just watch the old one a couple more times. I don't Vince need Vince Vaughn's in one of them. Yeah, that that's not a franchise to hold up among the uh, greatest movies. I always forget now. about uh, Vince Vaughn in that second Jurassic Park movie, but <laughs> I it's it's funny though because it's the same thing with me with Star Wars Jurassic. Park more of a, an exaggerated version of it, but yeah, the first one was good. When you really think about it, none of the others were. So, like when the, this newer one and there's another one coming out, which is a whole other discussion. But the new Jurassic World came out a couple of years ago. I remember telling my roommate at the time, she she was all like, "I don't know, I think it's gonna be bad." I'm like, "Of course it's gonna be bad," but I just want to go have a couple beers, drink some or drink beers, eat popcorn, and watch some dinosaurs mess some stuff up. That's my only expectation. And with Star Wars, same same thing. I want to go see it's I'm going to enjoy watching 
you know, a space movie where things blow up uh, in outer space. Like, that's all I'm looking for. Two things. My uh, – Not a religious experience. Baby Oprah, 10 years old now. Uh, that's what made me actually – brought me around. I kind of walked out a little dissatisfied. And uh, she said, I just – the explosions are so great. Isn't that neat when they do that? And I, you know, I then was – yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That was cool. Yeah, that is what – and uh, also, I, uh, I'm disturbed by how closely your impression of your female roommate matches uh, your one of Matt Franciscovich. Well, it was Alex <laughs> It was Alex Gellhart, just to be clear. Oh, it was Gellhart. It was Gellhart. So they yeah. – so <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear. Which also then sounds like my Greg Rosenthal. I don't know. Sean Davis can't sing. He can't go single coverage on Gronk. I don't know. He's the least satisfying guy to try and argue with, to have to have uh, a heated discussion with when I'm passionate. I want you to explain. I want you to revoke the victory and give it to the Steelers. Yeah, you were the better team. Yeah, maybe we'll play again and we'll see it again later. That's not fun. I want I want heat. Give me some business. Would you talk trash? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, Levy and Belger. Maybe if you had Antonio Brown, you would have won the game. I don't know. I don't know. I, can't, I feel like this is an HR violation, too. All right. Listen, so. let's get to it now. Brinson, are you in for another uh, few minutes here? I got nothing to do. I'm Uh-oh. supposed to be cleaning up my house, but my unbeknownst to my wife, I'm just hanging out doing a podcast. It's is there any greater endorsement for the DDFP than that? I say no. Let's get to it. The Red Challenge Flag Picks. Red Challenge Flag Picks. All right, here we go. Brinson does not have a uh, flag as he is uh, seated somewhere in uh, North Carolina. Um, you know what? I actually do have a flag if you want me to get it. Yeah, I would like you to get that. Yeah. I have an official NFL uh, challenge flag. Hold on, oh, I'll my goodness. Wow, fancy. That's excellent. You know, while Brinson goes and does that, maybe I should tell you, uh, oh, you know what? As a matter of fact, let's get to to this. This is going to be festive. MVP all season long, of course, has uh, provided uh, banner little. Uh, you know, on the when you go through on the on the, your satellite dish or uh, whatever, the the little descriptions of the episode upcoming. Ooh, oh, Brinson's wow. got his red challenge flag. Got a yellow and, flag and, too. And, uh, and a yellow penalty flag as well. MVP has uh, has put together little. Uh, episodic previews like you read when you click onto the show on your uh, on your DVR or whatever. Anyhow, this week the genre is what, MOVP? This week it's Christmas movies. Excellent. Why don't you tell us all about Favre Bowl, a.k.a. Vikes at Packers. All right, we have an airing of Kyle Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Having always struggled to fit in, a big tight end among compact whiteouts, quiet Kyle Rudolph beams when Case calls on him to lead the way in frigid Green Bay, earning glowing praise from all of the other receivers. Brett Hundley, heir to the former king of the NFC North Pole, huddles up with his team of misfit boys to scheme against the abominable football man Everson Griffin as he hopes to plow through them on his way to the number one seed. I'm sorry to get distracted for a moment, but my annual anger must uh, now be shared with the world. Oh yes, this is my this is my favorite check discussion. I'm so glad I We get should to just replay it from last year then if you like that one better. But uh, I, I bring it up every year. The scoundrel who is Donner, the father of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, with all due respect to you, Kyle Rudolph, you have a stink on you because of uh, not Rudolph per se, but his old man. Yeah. If you remember, yeah, I mean, if you, you know, maybe you're breaking it out now with the kids and you're seeing the uh, the holiday classic, you know. I, I still say Santa Claus is coming to town as number one, but Rudolph is a good one, too. Up there. 
with the abominable uh, abominable snowman and all that. Anyhow, we see early in the in the show, we see Rudolph is in the cave. He's infant. He's just been born, as indicated by his mama saying like, "Oh, he's here. Is this Rudolph?" And then Donner comes in. Like, oh, well, hello there, Rudolph. I'm uh, oh, and all of a sudden Rudolph's nose turns on and Donner I mean, moments after his his newborn child makes it to the planet Earth, immediately, oh, whoa, what's that? Oh, oh no, what's up? And then he hears Santa coming into the cave, and he immediately, this is his father, a brand-new baby, before he even suckles on the tea to mama, is, it has, has dirt grabbed off the cave floor and rubbed on his nose because, oh, Santa can't see that. We can't have this family shame. <laughs> not when the boss man's coming. Well, Santa's a jolly man. He's not going to care, is he? But as it turns out, he oh, does. Because yeah. then the nose goes on and it shines through the dirt. And Santa says, oh, you'll never be in my, you'll never get to uh, take my sleigh around town with that freak nose. <laughs> then immediately, then immediately launches into a song about, I am old Chris King Kringle, I'm the king of jingling. Why is he drunk? What He's an abusive boss, and that's one thing. All right, he's trying to run a tight ship. Maybe he's insensitive, and that's not right, but whatever. That's Santa Claus. Maybe he doesn't have any bloodlines to this reindeer. But what is a Donner? is emotionally abusive from the from the word go and why rudolph doesn't say at the end uh, uh, i have a great idea won't you guide my sleigh tonight says santa in the in the murky uh, weather rudolph should have said go spit you fat old man <laughs> <laughs> that's what he should have said it's my this is my easily my favorite i'm show. glad you're happy with uh, yeah i love this, this that's who's going to be throwing gifts it's and true. breaking into your house uh down your chimney yeah also think about you, know, you talk about poking holes in, in the logic of a, of a plot line i mean let's go you know let's look back at this rudolph thing so neither donner nor santa thought that perhaps having an extra light on someone's nose, leading a sleigh through the dark and the storms of winter to deliver all these gifts might be beneficial. I mean, like this, that's like this is what people who made boats came up with—a guiding light. Why would you not want a guiding light on a train full of animals flying through the sky, toting all of the world's presents? What you need is a guiding light. The first instinct for dumb old daughter should have been, "Hey, Santa, you got to see my kid. This guy's got a light. Put him in the front. Give me a promotion. Pretty Let's clear. go." And Crickle would have been on board. This is. Why we don't Santa, have- I've got a brand new star to lead the sleigh. <laughs> it's my boy. His name is Rudolph. No, no. Instead, he's wiping schmutz on the kid. <laughs> he's literally blotting <laughs> his son out. This is why we don't have. Uh, this is why we discourage monopolies in our society. Because look, somebody had to be able to be a little more innovative than these couple of goons. You know what you see? What 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 Rudolph is is, and I think this is a perfect analogy. Now that I think about it. Donner and uh, Blitzen and all those guys, they're Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Then Cam Newton arrives, and the world gets turned. Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't sign off on this. What value does a guy who's bigger than every guy trying to tackle him and is faster than them, what value could that possibly have in in a football game? You know? Cam Newton should, I don't know, maybe he should go do something else too just to stick it to everybody who doubts him, you know? Or maybe he'll go win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you should probably stay doing. I don't know what else he's going to do with his time, so that's not a good idea. Yeah, he should go win a Super Bowl. He should he's lead going, the, the Panthers sleigh to the Lombardi crown to te- teach everybody a lesson, right? 
Nailed it. I don't know. Listen, what are we talking about again? I don't know. Now let's get to it. Let's pick this game. And uh, since uh, you're the home team here in uh, Studio 66, Harmon, you can uh, make the statement here. Brinson, if you disagree with the team he picks, you throw the red challenge flag. Here we go. In the Favre Bowl, Vikings, Farf Packers. You heard that he played for both those teams, right? Uh, I have. Right, right. Okay, that's why I called it Favre Bowl. Okay, here we go. Got, got Vikings, it. Packers. Choose. Well, I'm going to go with the Vikings here. Anybody? Boy, I'm really tempted. I am really tempted. Really tempted. Really. You're really tempted. You know they put Aaron Rodgers on in your reserve. No. You, 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 get, you get that alert on your phone? And you still are tempted? I, I just feel like that pro football players don't like to feel the cold. And if it's cold up there and they're kind of the Vikings are on easy street a little bit right now. You're, big on, you're big on weather tilt. I am. I, well, obviously, I am. Yeah. Brinson, how say you you're taking the Vikings? Why? The Vikings are a better team. And I think you saw. So, look, like I, I don't think the, like, the Packers are all professionals. They're going to play hard. They're going to show up. Um, Brett Hundley gave it his all while Aaron Rodgers was gone, but it was under the premise and concept that if he played very, if he could just grind some games out, get them some wins, Aaron Rodgers could come back and save the season. And now the season is lost. They are mathematically eliminated. Rodgers is on IR. Hundley, remember, needed overtime to beat the Buccaneers, to beat the the Browns. And you have a Vikings team that that against the Bengals on Sunday looked very, very angry about how they played against Carolina. I think that anger carries over. They never get an opportunity to really rub it into the Packers and be the, the dominant team. And I think that they beat them by 21 points or more. Wow. wow. Uh, listen, I know that that's the logical. The red challenge flag opportunity, if you no, want. That's excellent. I, no, you're, you're right. I, I know that that's uh, accurate. But, you know, I feel like, and anecdotally, I don't have any uh, information to actually support this statement, but I feel like, especially these divisional games, it, they have a devil-may-care attitude. They're, the Packers pa- Packers are playing for nothing. They're, 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 this is... The, you know, now they can let their hair down. There's no pressure on them individually to perform and earn their spot for next year. Goes, you know, that that's their motivation here. I can see them showing up in this one, but they'll lose that game. You're right. Okay, uh, Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs, Montana versus uh, Marino at one point. Now it's Cuddy versus uh, Alex Smith, Will Brinson. Oh, wait, before I have you choose, I almost skipped you, MVP. Jeez, Louise. That's all right. Go ahead. Give us the uh, the preview, won't you? All right. We have an airing of Mahomes alone. When Alex Smith and all 10 of his guys run off to their Christmas staycation in Arrowhead, the youngest of the bunch, a wily Patrick Mahomes, is not so accidentally left behind on the bench, forced to stay out of trouble for 60 minutes. However, things quickly get interesting for Patrick as he realizes his Kansas City home is under attack by two powerful pigskin pickpockets, Sue and Wake, and he must ultimately save the day. Ooh, oh, very nice. Is that work like a there. prediction? Perhaps. I thought there was going to be a prediction that Mahomes takes over at I the half. It kind of was. I thought that's what, the, the, what she was saying. So that is. So Mahomes does come in and emerges victorious, creating a minor, a low-level uh, controversy there, I guess, in Kansas City. Brinson. Wow. Dolphins, Chiefs, choose. Am I allowed to throw the flag at the screen? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm obviously going to take the Chiefs in this situation because I saw, I think Jay Cutler had almost seven turnovers last week. And by the way, MVP, incredible job. She's 
clearly prepared harder for this show than the three of us combined. Yeah, so uh, some people call oh. her the uh, greatest asset of the Dave Damashek football program. Many but people I, say that, I, I feel like, including I feel like my the, mother. Well, thanks. I feel like there was a meeting, a production meeting, where she was like, okay, look, this Mahomes alone thing is too perfect for Home Alone. I, <laughs> I have to ride with That Mahomes. is exactly right. Yeah, and so I, I agree with that. I think it's a great call. I don't think we'll see Patrick Mahomes at all uh, in this game. We might see we might see Patrick Mahomes in this game because it gets so ugly. The Dolphins don't That's care; fair. they're not eliminated. But it's six and eight. They're not going to be playing. The Chiefs understand that they just have to close out this season and that they will win the AFC West. And they have two good opponents. I believe the the Dolphins at home, and then the Broncos. Broncos might be on the road, but I don't think it matters. The Chiefs know what's at stake. They bludgeon. The limping Dolphins. Boy, you're awfully confident in these teams that are that are going to the postseason, taking care of teams that are playing for nothing. And like I say, the other side of that coin is no pressure equals loose play. You know, I, I, I for whatever that's worth, which is probably minimal. Let me just say, Brinson, I think your logic on the game and its outcome is airtight. But I'm just telling you, I've been coming on the Dave Damashek show for probably two-plus years now. I've been invited to zero production meetings. So that's the one flaw mm-hmm. in the statement that you just mm-hmm. issued. Other than that, I'm with you 100%. Oh, no, nothing else to say. Nothing else to say. You guys were involved in the production meeting. I, I think I think no. Emma had the production no, meeting. No, it's oh, a nice so surprise. The, yeah. the, the professionals have the production meeting and then like just wait for the two bozos to show Production up. meeting involves Emma VP berating Eddie Spaghetti and uh, telling him what to do, and that's pretty much it, And then it, he gets right? berated by you. And I come show. in and get surprised by whatever, <laughs> right? That's basically how we uh, how we run the ship. Yeah, I, uh, listen, at least they'll always have that Monday night game down in uh, South Beach. Coming, Amen. Right? They right? had that. They had their moment. I don't know. The Chiefs aren't. I mean, the Chiefs aren't that great. Is the is my only comeback. If it, if it was maybe in Miami, but look, that that's a tough environment to play in. True. In Arrowhead. All right. Next up, a game that, you know, I'll tell you, if Des makes that catch, the the, the one before Heinz Field, the uh, the largest uh, catch non catch call in uh, in history, or at least since Bird Emanuel, that started this whole mess mm-hmm. at uh, in back in uh, January at the. Right? That was January of 2000. So, yeah, so this millennium starts with Bird Emanuel's catch that they called not a catch by the Bucks against the Rams. Anyhow, had uh, the Dez catch counted, then Seattle and the Cowboys would have played that uh, title game. And now both are fighting for their playoff lives. Matt Harmon. Oh, I almost did it again, MVP. Unbelievable. Seahawks and Cowboys. Tell us more, won't you? I will. We have an airing of the Polar Express cot. As the season grows oh, older, I like it. thank you. A maturing Dak Prescott struggles to believe in a magical playoffs push into a 230-pound vessel called Zeke chugs through full steam ahead on Christmas Eve to lift the spirits of all the boys and girls in Jerry World. Meanwhile, on the naughty list, bickering brothers Bobby Wagner and Old Thomas try to get things back on track, despite knowing they won't be receiving any shiny new toys until next year. Mm. May I, I see I you know where I actually where I what I just thought you were going to go to there was like Bobby Wagner and Earl Thomas agree that on this week there will be Noel. Get it, Noel? That's good. That was good, right, MV? That was. Good. I know, I know how old, to do old, things that too. Was good. Old dog still got some. I He's can do things tricks. as well. Yeah. I, okay. you know what? All right. MVP. Unbelievable. Everybody's darling. That's fine. All right, here we go. Really struggles with this. <laughs> <laughs> really struggles with this. Seahawks, Cowboys, Harmon. Choose. Yeah, speaking of struggles, this is a tough game to pick, but I went Seattle. Ooh, I'm with you. Uh, Brinson, how say you? 
did I pick? Did I pick Dallas? In I don't know email? who you picked. I think I, I think for graphical purposes, I'm required to go with Dallas. So I can throw the challenge fact. Throw but, it. Uh, throw it yeah. at Harmon. No, no, you just dropped it. Throw it at your screen. You got to chuck it, man. Oh, you mean throw it at my screen? Yes, I want you to. There you yeah. go. <laughs> That's on you, Harmon. Uh, you got that. Explain yourself. Why are you taking the Cowboys? <laughs> you sound passionate about the choice. He's clearly very convinced. I think the graphic actually says I'm taking the Seahawks. I don't. I, no, I, my you, email skills are, are lacking. But um, I, I think look the, the the logic here on the why the Cowboys will win. I'll explain it to you. I don't care. You post post product out of there. The oh, and I'm taking the Seahawks for the, the record, just so you can do. see my pick. Go ahead. Sorry. Is that you have a team in the Seahawks that is playing against a team in the Cowboys that offensively is similar to the team that the Seahawks just played in the Rams, and they got steamrolled on offense by Todd Gurley and that and the Rams offensive line and Jared Goff not needing to make plays but the throwing, throwing the passes he needed to. And I think that this Dallas offense is just too much for a Seahawks depleted defensive. And the only question is, can Dallas slow down Russell? If, if Russell Wilson wasn't involved in this game, it would be a Dallas stomping. I think the the Russell factor is a little concerning. I'm with you. The, the thing that uh, wasn't involved or the guy that wasn't involved in last week's game Wait, the guy who was involved in last week's game that will not be playing in this one, Aaron Donald, and that was the difference. Russell yeah. Wilson will will uh, receive uh, far less resistance this week than he did uh, last week with Donald and company. And by the way, I know there are a lot of worthy uh, names being floated around right now for Defensive Player of the Year, but isn't it Aaron Donald? If you're ba- if you're basing it on who's the best defensive player, it's him. Yes, it's a tough year for Defensive Player of the Year, though. I mean, there's a lot of really good candidates. You know, but I, I agree, Donald should be right up there. But but you know, Clayus Campbell, Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville's got you know him. Ramsey is is up there. Everson I guess Griffin. from year to year in different. I mean, Aaron Donald was there with the Rams last year and this year, but Clayus Campbell, you can make a case look at the transfer I, I I know obviously Calais Campbell isn't solely responsible for the rise of the Jaguars defense they I'll also say you, you could argue too that of all those like the three teams I just mentioned with Minnesota and Griffin and then the guys in Jacksonville and then Donald and in, in LA that the two teams Minnesota and Jacksonville are better defenses so you could argue that is a, a plus for those guys too hmm. I would I would say Donald is the pick, and here here's the logic why it's sort of the Tom Brady reasoning and the Bill Belichick and the Mike Shashevsky reasoning is that the bar is set too high for Aaron Donald, and he came in late because of his contract issue, and so people didn't. He was adjusting to Wade Phillips' defense, and so I think that he, the slow start plus the high bar has sort of caused like, people don't like to talk about stuff that's that that we know exists, right? Like we don't like to we're like ah Tom Brady's you know forty years old, he's throwing for four thousand passing yards, twenty eight touchdowns, seven interceptions, yada yada yada. Well, have you seen Carson Wentz? Look at this guy in Philly. He's brand new. Uh, we're always yeah. looking for something new to talk about. And I think that's the case with the Jaguars. Maybe a little bit with the Vikings, Calais Campbell and Jalen Ramsey. Exciting to watch. But Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the league. That's right. Yeah, that's that's perfectly said. I'll throw in many other names. Yeah, it's the it's the uh, uh, victim of your own success uh, syndrome. Yeah. Chaz Noll yeah. was uh, coach of the year. You know, what built those teams. He wasn't the coach of the year for any of those uh, Super Bowl years. Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, the list goes on and on. Yeah. What do we think about um, Zeke coming back, though? I mean, big deal or not? I he's looking look, cut. I know Emma said he weighed something or other in her in her right up there, but he's looking he's looking trim. He's looking cut. I'm with Brinson on at least half of his breakdown on that game. I think Zeke should have his way. I just think that Russell Wilson is you know that that. And I also think again this is more. 
uh, human level stuff rather than football stuff. But though the Seahawks, I mean, that was a humiliation. Oh, and yeah. People are burying them this week. Do they agree with that, or do they have enough pride to come out and uh, and win a game when they're still actually in playoff contention? That's the other thing. It's just yeah. the humiliation. It was humiliating, but it doesn't uh, render them out of January just yet. And so I think they rise up and uh, take it. Overall, they're the, they're the, uh, the better team. All right, let's bring it on home with uh, one of three Super Bowl rematches, the Redskins and uh, and uh, Broncos played. That was the Doug Williams game long ago. The Titans and Rams are getting it on. Of course, that was the uh, Dyson one-yard short play, Kurt Warner throwing the bomb with a little over two minutes to go. He told us a great story about that. I have to tweet that back out, as a matter of fact. About I said, who called the, the deep ball in that situation to Isaac Bruce to, to – essentially win the game. And he said Martz had wanted to do that all along. But if you go back and look, I said, why was it such an, a, a sky? It went to the heavens before Isaac Bruce had to had to break his route off and and, uh, and um, catch it. And you could see the DBs didn't make the adjustment. And if you go back and look at it, his arm gets hit as he throws it. That's why the ball sails to the heavens and, does, and almost barely hit, uh, almost hits the dome before it comes back down. It's uh, it's fascinating stuff. Anyway, I think it's fascinating. And then, of course, Super Bowl 15 saw uh, Jim Plunkett and the Raiders and Rod Martin with three picks against uh, Ron Jaworski's Eagles back in uh, January of 1981, I guess, is when that was played. It was I remember they put a big yellow ribbon around the Superdome because uh, because um, the hostages in Iran had just been uh, freed. Anyway, there you go. That's a, my, my that's Dave's walk down it's memory lane. Thanks for the intro. Tell us, <laughs> tell us important <laughs> details all the way around. Uh, Raiders, Eagles. Tell us more, Emma. We have an airing of how the Lynch stole Christmas. Oh. Every eagle in Philly hoped to go out on top, but the Lynch who lived far out west was eager to make a stop. The Lynch hated losing no matter the game, though unfortunately for him, Nick Foles felt the same. All festive and green, St. Nick saved the season and perhaps kept a Super Bowl within reason. When the Lynch watched the backup sling it to Alshon and Tory, he realized his Raiders were just a mere chapter in Philadelphia's story. Boom. Yeah, boom. Is, yeah, I mean, she deserves it. Noel was clever, though. Right? I don't, was, what was that? <laughs> what was that? Was, was that a thing that was said? I don't remember. I forgot. Now. Excellent work, MVP. Very nicely done. And by the way, MVP will not be with us. Uh, next week because she's uh, traveling back east. So uh, a well, uh, job well done and completed now in the regular season with uh, with all your write-ups Thank this you. year. Matt Harmon's applauding you. Thanks, Harmon. Well, the Shecky's next week also. Oh, yeah, we got the Shecky Awards coming up, though, uh, too. And that's Ooh, another – oh, you know what? Stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that, MVP. I haven't been hyping those nearly enough. The 2017 Shecky Awards on their way next Thursday, the 28th, right? You better yep. subscribe on iTunes here and now just so you don't miss them. As always, gangbusters, spellbinding stuff. Brinson, Raiders, Eagles, choose. You know, I'd love to tell you that the Raiders are going to go into Philly and win, but they're not. They're, they're just not. They're playing a team that can run the ball, that can rush the passer. And after that debilitating uh, inch uh, piece of paper law, whatever, whatever, what do we need? We need <laughs> Index a card. Game. Yeah, whatever, whatever flip, flip card, Sterator's move. Um, I think you see the Eagles steamroll these guys. Although, you know, I, don't, I, think, I think it might end up being a, uh, a touchdown game, if that matters to anybody. You know I've started to feel bad for is Derek Carr. And it really is a weird thing that the Raiders never really – you talk, I, I've been saying quite a bit over the last three or four weeks that 
remember in September of 2018 when everybody's jumping on board with who's ever 4-0 or 5-0 and anointing them the Super Bowl champs as everybody did with the Chiefs and decided Alex Smith was the league's MVP and all that kind of talk. The thing that did, I always say, football season is long. You can't make those assumptions. But the one thing that has been consistently true since the start that people moved on from awful quick is, well, the Raiders are just not good this year, and they never gave us a reason to start paying attention to them all the way through. And Derek Carr, I feel, has been let down quite a bit. You're shaking your head at that. Hard. I don't think he's played well this year. I don't think he's been very good. If, if he played better, sure, I'd feel bad. I think Amar... I think Amari Cooper is – I think he is one of the most underreported – Nightmares this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I not just the drops, but, I mean, there, there are games where you watch Derek Carr – Look at him. That's his. That's his alleged number one receiver. At least in in certain um, uh, certain plays, you can tell that he is obviously the first option. And and Derek Carr will look at him, and based on those drops that he saw earlier in the game, will look at. And I can't throw it to him, and will and will throw it to Seth Roberts, who also drops. But I also you see, and I think that's a that's a bad trait for a quarterback. Like if if you don't, you can't do keep throwing it to a guy you don't depend on, right? I know, but you've got it. But the best way to feed a wide receiver's confidence is to continue to feed them. Like if he he's not going to drop every single pass you throw at him. Like you've got to eventually build his confidence <laughs> back up. So in in a way, I I don't and I like that. So I don't think he's I don't think he's off the hook. You yet. and Matt Damon should get together with some of that logic. <laughs> he doesn't drop every one of them. Why aren't every people talking one. about the ones he did catch? Well, no, it's a I think it's a fair point. The best way to build the wide receiver's confidence back up is to keep is to keep giving him the ball like if he's not if you're not going to give him an opportunity to make plays then that drop is going to be the last thing he left on the field and I think for Carr he has to get over that not to mention he hasn't pushed the ball downfield really he gets he gets rid of it so fast it's such a weird offensive design I don't think he's played well enough this year what happened earn my but that's just my my, my the, the larger point they is don't have Raiders nobody would have put them Outside of Patrick Claibon, who does deserve a parade for that prediction, he said the Raiders were not going to the playoffs this year, and uh, and he's a man alone. You know, they just don't have very many good players, to, to be honest. Didn't look that way going into the season. There weren't anybody talking that kind of talk true. in August. But if you really think about it, and the fact that they have, like, Amari Cooper has fallen off the face of the earth, then who else do they have? I mean, they have Michael Crabtree, and he's and he's he's legit good. He's really good. But then who else do they have on offense? I mean, oh, it was Matt have... Money Smith who last week sat in here and speculated that he thinks Marshawn Lynch has actually been detrimental to the locker room, um, and when he was supposed to be such a huge addition and uh, a rallying point for the rest of the team. Brinson. Well, don't forget that the Raiders went like eight and one last year in one score games. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they got the black Jack Del Rio factor, but I mean, when you, when you have a really good record in one score games, there's regression coming and yeah. it's coming in the form of not being involved in one score games. You know, they had that crazy win against the chiefs. Otherwise things could be even worse. I, I tell you the fascinating guys. If you go back a year ago, we talk about ranking quarterbacks. I think that if you took Goff, Wentz, Dak, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Deshaun Watson, right? Those five guys. But this is a nice statement about the the future of quarterback in the league. But Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, and Marcus Mariota would all be behind those guys right now if you were mm. picking a build a franchise with. And there's no way they would have been behind them a year ago. Wow, that is a that's a, a it's true. fascinating point. See. That's why we bring him on, because he makes interesting points. Just makes you wonder, too, what are we going to be saying, you know, here this time next year? What is that quarterback ranking going to look like? Top five quarterback oh. in the NFL. Hell yeah, obviously. <laughs> 
Uh, hey, Brinson, have a happy holidays there in Carolina. Uh, Merry Christmas, Will. Right, I'm sorry. I, I see I fell into the trap again. I'm, I, I'm saying it again like we're required. That's the law now. We have you're, to. Yeah, damn right. You got to say Merry say, Christmas. We are saying it again. All right, so felony yes, if you don't. All right, okay. So Merry Christmas and happy holidays and all that. Will Brinson, thanks so much for all the time, Pally, and uh, hopefully we'll see you up in the Twin Cities in, uh, in five weeks or so, right? Absolutely, guys. Be well. There he is. The great Will Brinson, everybody. Again, Pick 6 is his podcast, CBS Sports, all the great pages. Check him out. Also track him down on Twitter. Matt Harmon, track him down on Twitter as well. Uh, whoa, he's throwing the – oh, look at that. Brinson on his way out. He threw the red challenge. Play. He says, don't follow don't, Harmon. Don't follow Harmon. Don't read Harmon's pages. Bad don't bad. look at it. Don't listen to his podcast. He's a bum, says Brinson. Oh. I got to wait a second. See, see, I wasn't ready yet. I was signing off with a uh, with a lovely uh, holiday wish for everybody. Christmas. Emma VP. Or, yeah, I was like, can see. Jeez. Holiday wishes. Emma VP, Ryan Bartlett, Eddie Spaghetti, everybody behind the glass there, everybody who works, everybody who listens to the DDFP. We thank you. Um, what else? Don't lose on Christmas Day, Steelers. That would be embarrassing. We'll talk to you after the holiday. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.